Hey guys, this week's episode is brought to you by Grove Collaborative. They're a one-stop shop for getting all of your favorite natural home and personal care products delivered right to your door. And when you sign up at grove.co slash YHL, you'll get a whole bunch of freebies, including a set of Mrs. Meyers cleaners. That's grove.co slash YHL. I'm John. And I'm Sherry. We like home stuff. We like talking. And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not-so-deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home. What can you do when a project gets overwhelming? Well, we're in the thick of it right now with the duplex, so we'll tell you. We're also discussing some upcoming bathroom trends, and one of them shocked me. Plus, we're officially starting our No TV Challenge. If you guys thought just because there was a break last week from delivery drama at the duplex that it was all over, it's not. <laughs> we have a roller coaster ride to take you on. Involving the fridge again. Yes, the fridge. (laughs) Do you guys remember how all eight appliances got delivered at the duplex, but then the fridge was damaged? One fridge. So one fridge was fine, but the fridge on the other side of the duplex had like the biggest dent you could see from across the room. So like that one needed some help. It was just a door. They wouldn't allow us to just get a door. I think it was like an eight week wait. So they said, we're going to have to bring you a whole second fridge. Yeah. And we tried to get them to deliver it the same day we were going to be out there getting our counters installed. So again, at least we were being efficient with our trips. They couldn't come that day, but they could come the day before. So it did mean staying at the beach overnight in the middle of the week, which is not always easy, but my parents were willing to have a sleepover with the kids and get them off to school and all that stuff. So it wasn't that bad. So we went out on a Wednesday, received the fridge. The new fridge looked great and everything. Right. And the guys are like, hey, while we're here, do you have any other questions? And I was like, you know what? I realized the other fridge on the other side, I don't think we plugged it in. So can you help me just shimmy it out? They're really good at moving big stuff. I didn't want to scratch the floor. And as one of them's walking towards the kitchen, I see him kind of staring at the fridge and looking at me and staring at the fridge and looking at me. And then he goes, ma'am, did you see that they scratched this when they changed the door handle? And I was like, what? Because I had seen the fridge come in and the fridge looked perfect, but I hadn't stared at the fridge again after they switched the handle because they were changing the door swing for me. And you know, eight appliances is hard to keep on top of staring at all of them before they leave. And he's kind of rubbing his hand along these like, they look like Morse code, just like dots next to the handle. And he's like, oh yeah, I can tell by looking at this that when he was screwing in the handle, his drill must have scraped the stainless steel next to the handle. And it's like a permanent mark on the fridge. Like you might need to get another new door. And I was like, are you saying I have to come a third time to receive a damaged part for a fridge? And then John came over and he's feeling it too. And we're all just like, in what world can we rub this hard enough to fix it? Like, how can we magically put this fridge back together? Well, I think in a moment of desperation, I was just like, if I keep touching this, it will get better. <laughs> John, magic fingers, Peter Zig. <laughs> well, you joke, but I realized after enough time of rubbing this scratch that it was not a scratch. It was glue. It was kind of sticky and it was rubbing off with my finger because in also switching the handle on the door when they were changing the swing, they had to remove the old Whirlpool logo and apply a new one on the other side. So the sticky from underneath the old logo was still stuck to the fridge a little bit. They didn't get it off entirely. But with my little magic finger, (laughs) it started to come off. And I was like, are you healing stainless with your finger right now? Is that your X-Men superpower? If I could have fixed that dent, I would have. Oh my gosh. But it was a huge relief. So we all kind of rejoiced and everything looks really good right now. I'm hoping I don't discover anything weird next time. At this point, I don't want to look too closely. Right. So it was a successful end to the fridge saga, 
But a new, fresh saga started the very next morning when the counters were supposed to come. If you're listening at home and you're like, oh my gosh, why is there so much drama? Please know that we are the most tired of the drama of anyone. We are not inventing this drama. We are not looking for this drama. And like the soft perk to this drama, because there's not a real perk to this drama. The like subtle thing that happens when this drama occurs is we're like, well, at least we can talk about it on the podcast. I believe they call that a silver lining, Sherry. It's a silver lining. I'm like, well, if I'm going to be this mad, at least I can vent my frustration to the whole world. Well, and I hope that it's helpful to some of you guys out there to know that we are not immune to the ups and downs of a renovation because we know everyone goes through this sort of stuff. Like, renovations do not go smoothly. That's just a fact of life. And so we do share these to hopefully commiserate with you out there who might be also having your own renovation drama. Oh, yeah. I heard from someone who said it took them eight deliveries to get my fridge right. They kept delivering the same dented one I sent back. She was like, it's literally the same one with the tape in the same places. Kept going back to the warehouse, back to my house, back to the warehouse, back to my house. She said, I finally got on the phone with someone. I said, change it. Send me a different fridge. Like a different model? Yeah. She was like, I had to change the model. They just kept dispatching the same one. Oh, that's the worst. Well, the next morning for us was when the counters were scheduled to be delivered and installed on both sides of the duplex. And we woke up and it was kind of a rainy, stormy morning, also pretty windy, which is not too uncommon out there in Cape Charles. Typically, that's not a big deal when you're getting a delivery. But if you've heard us mention this big, long bridge that we have to drive across to get to Cape Charles from the mainland of Virginia out to the peninsula, it's like a 17-mile long series of bridges and tunnels. When it gets too windy, they put wind restrictions on the bridge, which means certain vehicles are not allowed to pass, like big trucks carrying loads like counters. Yep. So I got this call, and the guy, he's so sweet. His name is Justin. He's been our counter guy. He got us the island top for the pink house, too. So we're like friends at this point. And he called me, and I swear I could tell from his voice that something was going wrong. Like I said, hey, Justin, how are you? And he said, they got to the bridge. They were told to turn around. The bridge wasn't open. I said, oh, we know how this goes. Like, they're going to reopen in like half an hour. Like, it never stays closed for very long, and the restrictions get lifted. And the storm and the wind was definitely ending by around noon. This was like 1030. So I was like, at the latest, they can just come over at noon. And then like an hour passed and I hadn't heard anything from him yet. But I was like, let's just check the bridge. You can check on Twitter and all the stuff, whether the bridge is open or closed or restricted or not. And all the restrictions were lifted. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take this into my own hands. I'm going to call Justin back myself. And I'm going to say, hey, I know you're figuring out scheduling, but I wanted to let you know that I know the wind restrictions are lifted. So you guys can just come whenever. And he was like, I cannot get them to put it back on the truck and come today. They don't think they have enough time to load it and do the deliveries in that area. They're going to come back on Saturday. So not even the next day. I was like, wait, can they come back tomorrow? Like at least let us stay and extend our trip by one day. It's hard for us to do that, but it saves us driving home and driving back in two days. And he was like, I'll check with them. And it essentially was no, the cranes are all being used tomorrow for something else. It has to be in two days. So we debated just letting them like kind of let themselves in and install it. But we knew we wanted to be there and make sure it goes well and sign off on it instead of letting them walk in the house and just do it alone. And after a lot of debating and talking with John's parents, we were like, okay, we'll just stay for two more days. They had actually already planned to have the kids for a sleepover one of those days. So it was the weekend and they were going to have fun together with their cousins. It was like a big cousin sleepover that was planned. So we basically just had to beg them to do one more night that was unexpected and it would get us through until the counters came. But it was just another one of these things where like we thought we had planned this all so well to be so efficient and then it just went right out the window. And it did end up being kind of a blessing in disguise because since my parents were willing to keep the kids a couple extra days, we had like 
48 hours of extra work time at the duplex where we could start checking some other things off our list, like assembling more furniture, you know, putting hooks up for the towels, like all these like random little things. Toilet paper holders, very important. We got most of those done, not all of them. (laughs) So it ended up being a productive two days and the counters did go in. They look great and everything. They're amazing. But it did really throw us for a loop in a panic where you have to figure out like, how do I get childcare for two more days? What about the other work I need to do that I plan to be home and do this week? Because suddenly I'm stuck somewhere else just waiting for a delivery that was supposed to come two days ago. Right. We had our laptops. We could work at the beach house and then we also were able to get a lot of duplex stuff done too it wasn't awful we just missed the kids a lot i think it's because we weren't prepared like we have left the kids for longer than that but we knew and we hugged him and kissed him we brought like lots of clothes like this was one of those trips where we had like one outfit hadn't planned to be gone that long didn't like lovingly gaze into our kids eyes we thought we'd be back the next day yeah it was like see you tomorrow but instead it was like see you in four days right it was the whole thing so if you want to see a sneak peek of the counters we want to get the kitchen a bit more done before we show it all off, but we'll put a sneak peek in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast. If you're a subscriber to our newsletter, you will have already seen them because we sent that to them last week. Yeah, guys, get on the newsletter. It's free and you get all the good stuff first. And let's just hope that all of our bad delivery mojo happened in January. So in February, like it can be smooth sailing. I heard someone say January is just a practice month. February is when we like really get things done. I feel like that's kind of been what happened at the duplex. Um, And actually a quick update from last week's episode. We mentioned in our conversation with Joshua Becker that we had been contemplating doing like a no TV challenge for ourselves to sort of cut down on our TV time. And I wanted to say that we are officially going to do that. You know, we love these little like challenges for ourselves, whether it's a no spend month or our very failed furniture free week. <laughs> so we think a no TV challenge will be fun to do and also hopefully may reset some habits for us and maybe cut down on our TV time. We don't know. But we are just going to do a week of it. We're not going to do a whole month. We're going to start slow. And Sherry and I are not going to watch any television for the week starting the day this episode comes out. Right. So next week's episode won't have an update because we'll still be doing the experiment. Right. Probably the week after we'll share how it's going. How it has changed our lives in immeasurable ways. Right. Well, do you want to issue like official rules? Like what if someone sends us a clip from a funny show? Like and, a YouTube clip or something? Right. Like watch this on your phone. Should we say like absolutely no viewing of no, videos? I think that's probably a little too strict. I think we should say like we're not going to sit in bed and watch Netflix on our phone. Like that kind of defeats the purpose. No viewing shows on our computer, on our phone, or on the couch. But if someone sends you a little clip, say under five minutes, that's not breaking it? Right. Because I mean, I don't know. Gonna- that seems like it's breaking. Are you going to not watch Insta stories? No, I'm going to watch Insta stories because it's not TV. But that's the same to me as YouTube, basically. Oh. I think the point is we are in this habit of basically every night once the kids are in bed, plopping down on the couch next to each other and watching like an hour or two of television, you know, to decompress, to like have some grown up time and just to like wind down for the day. And I just think that's a habit that we break sometimes like when we go to the beach house, for instance, we don't watch very much TV there. No, we watch like no TV. That's why I think I can do this, guys. You know, I love Bravo. You know, I love Housewives. I think I'll be okay because at the beach house, I never watch it. We sit in the hot tub, but I think we're going to have to get a hot tub. (laughs) No, 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 no. Just for the week. (laughs) Just a weekly hot tub. No, I'm going to take a lot of baths and I think we'll read a lot because there are many nights that we read instead of watching TV anyway. So we'll just probably do more of that. I think we'll find some other things to do. and Twister. Possibly. (laughs) Who knows? Well, we can play some games. People survive without television. I'm sure a lot of you listening are like, guys, this is not hard. It should not be difficult for you. P.S. 
I've not watched a single episode of New Jersey Housewives. It's been on for weeks, maybe even months. It wasn't taping and I didn't realize it wasn't taping. And then I was like, it's been a while. Should I try to catch up? And I haven't watched it. And that's part of what's giving me the confidence that I could do this week because I'm like, eh, if I haven't watched an entire season of Housewives that's been out, which is unlike me. You're also like eight episodes behind on Atlanta Housewives. I know. And that used to be my favorite. I don't know what's going on, guys. Maybe my life wants to be furniture... Not furniture free, TV free. But again, our no TV challenge is going to start um, the Monday that this comes out, and then we will report back to you in a couple weeks on how it went. That music means it's game time, and I figure February is not too late to still talk about 2019 trends. Ooh, I love this already. Well, I found a list from Canadian House and Home, although they're just calling themselves House and Home now, so maybe I shouldn't say Canadian House and Home. Because, like, Americans love it. Yeah. I mean, I used to pay, like, $25 to get their subscription in the U.S. because I am obsessed with that magazine. Anyways, they have an article on their website called 10 Bathroom Trends You'll See Everywhere in 2019. I'm going to play it like we played our last trend game, where I'm going to give you a trend from their 2019 list versus a trend from either their 2018 or 2017 list. Ooh, it's so hard though. Yeah, it will be hard because they've done the exact same list three years in a row, I've noticed. So you can also see 10 bathroom trends you'll see everywhere in 2017 or in 2018. And then you can judge if they were right or not because those have already happened. So again, I'm going to do a head-to-head of two trends. One is from this year and one is from a past year. You tell me which is the 2019 trend. Okay. First, graphic tile floors versus tile statement walls. So floors versus walls. In my life, statement walls went first, and then everyone started doing this cement tile that's graphic on the floor. So in my world, I'm going to say the walls are older and the floors are newer. Well, in Canada, the walls are newer. Dang! Like in our show house in 2014, we did a wall of tile. Well, and also in our beach house in 2016, we did a wall of tile. And, you know, in that hall bathroom, that blue. Oh, yeah. I was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Where's the wall of tile in the beach house? Oh, yeah. In the shower, there's an accent wall. Yes. Right. And that's what they're saying is trending for 2019. They say that you can think about accent wall tile as a water-resistant wall hanging. Next, invisible shower walls versus showers with contrasting tiles. So this is showers that sort of blend in versus showers that make a statement. It would go against their accent wall of tile if I didn't say showers that make a statement. Well, your tile statement wall doesn't have to be in the shower. Well, I'm going to just go with my gut and say showers that blend in is what they're saying is newer and people used to do like the big blue tile in the shower and the rest of the room had subway. You are correct. Woohoo! Because in our show house, we did do the big blue accent tile in the shower. The rest of the room had white tile. And now I do see a lot more where like the room as a whole is treated with the same tile everywhere. And it feels large and sort of not competing with itself or super contrasty. Right. And they're also specifically pointing out that frameless doors, like glass doors that Uh don't make a clear separation between the shower and the rest of the bathroom are trending. So like kind of the glass pane that we have in the master shower at the beach house. Right. And we like that. And we carried the floor tile into the shower floor. And I think that goes with what they're talking about, where the whole room as a whole feels wide and airy because you're not like defining the footprint of the floor in the shower with a different color. Okay, talking finishes, buttery brass versus Mm. matte black. Buttery brass? They define buttery brass as something that walks the line between polished and matte. 
So like a satin brass? I don't know. Ooh. It was kind of a weird description. There's a picture, and I'll put this in the show notes so you can see it, but it, it's hard to tell what finish they're talking about. First of all, buttery sounds very slippery, doesn't it? If you put butter on brass, would it be matte? No, it'd be very shiny. Well, and Matt Black, as Sherry and I always say, sounds like a person. Right. Hi, I'm Matt Black. Nice oh, to meet have you. Have you met my friend Matt Black? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I think Matt Black and brass are both going the distance and are both very trendy right now. So it's just that I think last year they might have called out Brass first and then this year they called out Matt Black, but they've both been dancing hand in hand for the last few years, if you ask me. Uh, you're wrong. Really? So Matt Black, they think, is older. and 2018. So only a year older. So Buttery Brass is the 2019. Um, Question. Have they not seen the brass that's been going on for the last eight years? Well, 2017 list had unlacquered brass on it. So Oh, oh it's like the brass is changing his outfit. It's getting a little bit more polished. Polished, but not okay. totally polished yet. Interesting. Okay, major artwork versus major palms, as in like tropical palm leaves. Well, we all know palms are having a moment. Although I would argue palms kind of had a moment last year also. I'll say that major artwork was last year and major palms is this year. Folks, she's wrong again. <laughs> all trends that are on top of each other they're all saturating pinterest i agree i wish i had found like a list from like 2015 or 14 because i think they would have felt a bit older because major palms the like big plants in a bathroom was a 2018 trend so it's not that far gone or gone at all for that matter but they do say that major artwork that makes like a huge large-scale impact on the room is trending for 2019. Right, but like look at a house beautiful from three years ago and there will be a huge piece of art in the cover. Like major art is always trending. (laughs) That's true. It's a good point. Next, statement mirrors versus statement drapes. Um, so if you ask me, a statement mirror would be more in than a statement drape. So that would be my answer. I am asking you. I feel like I like a more neutral drape and I like the art or the rug or some other smaller thing to make the pattern. I have not had very much luck using statement drapes in my own world. I've always thought that they were limiting and then I couldn't have fun with like the rug and the bedding and all that. I'd also like to point out this is statement drapes in a bathroom. Yeah, no, statement drapes are old, right? Yes. Good, I got it. Statement drapes was 2018. And again, I just had trouble wrapping my head around statement drapes in a bathroom. I bet they're talking about like a Roman shade that has like a really pretty color. No, they're talking floor to ceiling draperies. Are they like behind a tub or something? Well, in the picture they shared, it was a very large bathroom, which I also don't have the benefit of anywhere. And it was like some shears behind a tub to add some privacy, I guess. So if you had that sort of bathroom that had like floor to ceiling windows, I guess you would need floor to ceiling drapes on them. But guys, side note, shears, they don't actually give you privacy. Everyone can see you in that bathtub. Especially at nighttime. (laughs) Um, But they said that statement mirrors are trending. They said they've already sort of evolved from square rectangle mirrors to round mirrors. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to completely different shapes. Right, like a quadrifoil mirror. There will be like an OG edge at the top of a mirror, an arched mirror. Even Target is doing it. We found this awesome mirror that's like a flat base and a rounded top from Target. It looks like a Ballard design piece, but it was like $39 from Target. So everyone's getting in on the mirror again. And we're putting it in a bathroom. Two bathrooms. Okay, lastly, wet rooms versus boudoir bathrooms. Okay, ready for this? Wet rooms are having a moment again. I have seen more tubs in showers than I've ever seen in my life. They've tiled everything. You can hop out of the tub. You could shower tub, shower tub, shower tub back and forth, and the whole area would be okay getting wet. So I'm sure on this that wet rooms is the newer one. You are correct. Yay! 
You found your rhythm towards the end there. I found my groove. And you defined it perfectly like a room that is all tiled. And so every space can get wet. You don't have to have a separate shower area or even a shower door because the whole room could get splashy, splashy. (laughs) Splashy, splashy. Well, funny side note, though. In 2001, back when I was a young whippersnapper in New York City, I worked on a show home for Country Home Magazine. And we did a wet room in there. So everything old is new again. Yeah, I don't think any of these are really out there that much. Although I I did save one for the end that's not something to guess on because there wasn't a comparable one. But I thought you would have a strong reaction to this trend they're saying for 2019. Uh Uh-oh. Off-kilter tubs saying, your natural inclination is to put a tub parallel to a window. But if you put it at a slight (laughs) angle... No. No. I thought you were going to say like a tub with like a slightly higher back area where you lay uh, in it and it cradles you and it wasn't perfectly symmetrical. No. Nope. But actually not laying the tub straight against a wall makes me want to jump out the bathroom window. It's like a weird triangle behind it that you couldn't access or use for anything. It's like putting your sofa sideways through your living room. I don't know why. Or like a bed in the corner. I mean, some I'm, people do that. You guys know my weird thing is I like things to be parallel with walls. But they say an off-kilter tub can lend a dynamic quality to the room and free up floor space. So I will put the- Free up floor space? I'll show you the picture and you can see what they mean. It's not as bad as it sounds. See? It's not as bad as it sounds. Put the picture in the show notes. It's not my inclination because I'd want to put it under that window and center it. You guys know I love symmetry. I love centering stuff. This is sort of like half the tub's butt is under the window. (laughs) You know, the butt of a tub. I don't know. It's not as bad as I thought. It's a cute bathroom. The bathroom has charm. That that helps. Um, Well, I will put a link to this full list so you can see these photos in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast. I will also link to the 2018 and 2017 list because as Sherry's pointed out, none of the trends in there are far off or old. So there's lots of good ideas and inspiration in there. But next up, we actually want to answer a listener question. And this one comes to us via email. It's from Chelsea in North Carolina. And she asked, how do you keep from getting overwhelmed when projects seem to pile up? Like, how do you detach from the backlog of projects and focus on the things already accomplished? One reason we wanted to tackle that question today is because we're sort of in this moment ourselves. You've probably heard from our stories lately about the duplex. Like we feel a little bit overwhelmed by all the things to do. That's why these like little crises of like a delivery not working out seem to be big deals because they sort of just add complication to what is already a stressful process. Right. I think pile up is what it feels like. They pile up and you already have other things on the list and you're adding things to the list that you thought you'd be finished with by such and such a date, but then you have to push it back because it's not done. And it is a pile up of things to do. Yeah. And it creates a backlog, like Chelsea said. So first we should point out that like we get overwhelmed. We're not immune to this by any means. But we do find ways to combat it a little bit and focus on the things that we've accomplished. Because like Chelsea said, that's a big help in relieving some of the stress. You can really burn out fast if you go too hard and then you don't celebrate the victories and you don't take a breath. You can't run on empty for too long. So we get to that point where we're frustrated, but then we have to get ourselves back from that. You know, it's endurance. Like you have to build up your endurance to keep going. Right. And it's going to sound funny, but sort of our biggest overarching piece of advice is to act like a blogger. I know that sounds dumb and probably chest pounding, but hear me out as to why sort of embracing some of the activities that bloggers do might help you work through this overwhelming feeling and help you accomplish more victories. There's sort of three parts to acting like a blogger that I think can help anyone. Like I'm not saying everyone needs to start a blog by any means or start an Instagram. You don't have to share anything publicly. 
But just documenting things, both your befores, your progress, eventually your afters, that is a big help in sort of wrapping your head around everything that's happening and also giving you some sort of history of what you've done so you can go back and feel proud about how far you've come. Right. I always tell people, take so many before pictures. Like when you move into a new house, you'll be amazed how many times I'll hear from someone. I redid the kitchen, but oh, I don't even think I have a picture from that angle to show you how bad it was. And they're sad. Like they wish they had taken that picture. So even if you're not a blogger, it takes five minutes to walk around a room that you're going to redo and take pictures of it before. And you have no idea how much that can help with morale and celebrating. Two things you need. You need to keep morale up and you need to celebrate your victories. It's what keeps you going. It's like putting gas in your tank. Like I was just scrolling through old photos on my phone the other day looking for something and I came across so many pictures of like the duplex torn apart and the kitchen, you know, just drywalled. And even just seeing how far we've come since those things was such a huge boost to me to say like, wow, we really have have made progress here, even though day to day, it may not feel like big progress. When you can look back weeks ago, months ago, you see the leaps and bounds that you have come in certain areas. But I think it's not just photos I want to point out. Like I think the text of actually writing things down is helpful to some people as well. But you know, it's kind of the same idea as like a diary that people keep like going back and seeing how you felt about something or, you know, reliving an experience by writing is cathartic for people. It's why people journal. Right. So if you're having a hard time with something, it might help just to take pen to paper or even write yourself an email that's just like, I'm so frustrated by this and like vent and get it out and maybe come to like three things you can do next to make you feel like you're accomplishing it. Like sometimes I'll write things out in my planner and be like, ugh, I have to push this delivery date back. What can I do in that week that I've pushed it back to make me feel like I'm not totally losing traction? Like maybe it means I'm still in Richmond. I'm not going to Cape Charles to get anything done, but I can order a bunch of things I'm going to need. I can try to stay ahead in some other way. Just like planning your time can make you feel like you're still in the driver's seat and not a victim of all this circumstance. Yeah, and well, even if you're not literally planning or writing to-do list, just writing how the experience was. Like people process their feelings sometimes by documenting them. So I think some combination, whatever it works for you, of taking photos and writing in text somewhere is a really useful way to get through some renovations. I will say the second part, in addition to documenting, if you're willing in some way to share it, doesn't have to be publicly for the whole world to see, but even like to a private group of friends on Instagram or, you know, your Facebook friends, sharing things and sort of connecting with a support group or community that can help you through your project is also useful. Whether you're using it primarily, you know, just to commiserate, find people who are going through the same thing, sort of like we do. We do a lot of commiserating, as we've said. Finding people who might cheer you along and offer words of encouragement when you are feeling bad about your progress or you get stuck. People can help you work through things. Or people who can help, you know, celebrate those victories with you. Like you can show off your progress, even if it is minor. Yeah, I definitely think if it's as simple as creating a group text with three of your friends who like design or home stuff and just saying like, weekly update, look at my bathroom now, and it's ripped to shreds, they can cheer you on and say, oh my gosh, that's so exciting. Like they can remind you things. Because the other day I was walking by someone's house and they had a dumpster in front of it. And I was thinking, I'm so jealous of them. That's such a fun time. We are the only people who see 
see a dumpster and think, how fun. I am so jealous of that. Like, I'm like, someone in that house is doing something major. When you have a dumpster, it's really exciting. You make leaps and bounds when you have a dumpster. And I was thinking, maybe it would help if I knew that person. I would totally tell them, I'm so jealous of you. Because when you're in the middle of the minutia, you might not feel like it's fun. You right, feel yeah. overwhelmed. But someone from the outside might be like, how amazing. You get to redo your laundry room. Like, from the outside, someone might be dying to do what you're doing. And by sharing it, you might get that feedback and that reminder that, like, you're really lucky to get to do this. How fun. You also touched on something about like a weekly text or whatever. I think the third part of sort of the blogger activity that you could use is to have some sort of schedule or rhythm. Like when we were first blogging, we wanted to post daily and keeping ourselves in that rhythm kept our forward momentum. It was as much for us blogging daily as it was for people reading, having something to read. Like, Yeah, we well, wanted, no one was reading it. <laughs> well, very true. But we wanted to hold ourselves accountable to keep moving forward. So whatever sort of weekly, monthly checkpoints you want to have for yourself or for whomever you're sharing with, those things I think are helpful so that you do have some accountability to what you do and you might create a rhythm for yourself. Well, and I think anyone who goes back and reads our earliest blog posts will see that it is just like a journal and it is not long. So if you buy a notebook and you say bathroom renovation and you write a paragraph every day, that's essentially what we did when we were blogging. And some days it was just a paragraph that was like, I got this pendant for over the sink. I really like it. And that was what kept us going. And every day we kind of checked in on the project in that way and processed whatever was going on. And it does not even have to be more than a few sentences. But that rhythm of every day doing it, I think kept us engaged with the project and kept our momentum going. Yes. And so those are the things I think that bloggers do inherently that you could sort of map onto your own project if you think would be helpful. The other thing I'm going to offer is not related to being a blogger. It's a different thing. It's something that we've actually been trying lately with the duplex that's been working. Sherry is very much a list person. Like she loves to write out a to-do list with action items on it. Like we have to do this item. We have to work on this project. We have to get this done. But I think for the duplex, we've been forced to approach it not so much as a to-do list of action items, but a schedule of timeframes in which we can work. Like we're going to be here this day. We have four hours in which we can work. We don't know exactly how much we're going to accomplish in that time because, you know, things often take longer or they have hiccups or like with the fridge, they don't get checked off entirely. But if you just simply say like, I'm going to work for three hours after I get home from work and not really worry about how much actually gets done in that time or how much progress you make, but just like feel good at the end of the day that you committed to that time you did that. Like I didn't get through as much as I wanted to get through, but I made progress. Right. I was actually thinking it's kind of like the advice they gave for like changing a habit or resolutions. Have you read this lately that I guess studies show that when you just say some ambiguous goal, like I want to lose 20 pounds, it's really hard to accomplish. But if the goal is like, I want to move my body for 30 minutes every day, you're not saying how hard or how sweaty or what type of movement. It's just something that you're giving yourself this little parameter that feels achievable and doable. And then you don't feel disheartened by failure if you don't lose 20 pounds. And I think it's the same thing. We've learned that we are not good at crossing off entire action items at the duplex. They just keep getting complicated. Instead, we're just saying we want to work for as many hours as we can. Then we're going to go home and be happy that we worked that whole day and we gave it all of our attention and we did as much as we could. Yeah, it's like measuring the project not by the result, but measuring it by the commitment. And one last idea that just popped into my head is, you know, I think a lot of this is about celebrating your victories, however small they are. I think if you could get real people together in a room to celebrate with you, there's nothing that feels better. And I think we often wait to get people together until like the entire house is finished or everything is perfect. But if you're in like the drywall stage of your kitchen and you set up a folding table and your friends come over and sit 
sit in the drywalled kitchen with candles on the table. Like it can be a very momentous, memorable moment. And people like that. Like I have friends who have painting parties just to celebrate they got to drywall. They don't stress about the painting being perfect and everybody eats pizza together and they like are thrilled that they're in that stage. You know, they're not waiting till it's perfectly decorated and finished to have people enjoy the space with them. Yeah, house is never really done. So if you wait to have people over till when it's done, you're never gonna have people over. You're gonna be 100 years old. You're gonna be that old guy on up and someone's gonna put balloons on your house anyway and it's gonna float into the sky and then nobody can come over and see it. True story. (laughs) Pretty sure that's gonna happen. (laughs) Well, and we actually talked about this topic of sort of working through feeling overwhelmed a little bit more in episode 90. So if you want more on this topic, I'll put a link in the show notes at younghouselive.com slash podcast to that episode so you can check it out. The funny thing is that we answered that when we were in the thick of it at the beach house. So now it's just coming back around. We're in the thick of it at the duplex. We were talking about it again, had some new takes. Yeah, got to find some new strategies because the old ones don't always work. Uh, But next up, we have We're Digging. I'm digging a new piece of technology that I love. Don't worry, it's inexpensive. It's not an Apple Watch. And Sherry is digging a new website that's helping her hack the system. That's right. But first, we got to take a quick break. If you're someone who uses a lot of natural or green cleaning products around your house, or maybe you're someone who would like to use more of them, may I direct your attention to this week's sponsor, Grove Collaborative. Yeah, so they're an online store that's got all the major brand names you're probably familiar with. There's Method, 7th Generation, Burt's Bees, Tom's and Main, and you can either shop for things as needed, you know, just order whenever you want them, or you can actually schedule regular recurring shipments so you can permanently cross things off your shopping list, like you will never have to worry about running out of toilet paper again. But one thing I feel like a lot of people don't realize about Grove Collaborative is that they also have a lot of their own products too. Like I noticed they have this three pack of concentrated Grove cleaners. So for eight bucks, you get a glass cleaner, a tub and tile cleaner, and an all-purpose cleaner that come in these little tubes, like almost those tiny decorative icing tubes. And you just dump them into a spray bottle, add water, and you're good to go. Yeah. And the awesome thing about them is traditional cleaners are about 90% water anyways, guys. So this way you're not paying for the water. And it's better for the environment because they're not shipping these heavy bottles full of water. And there's less packaging because they're these tiny tubes, which are recyclable, of course. So if you want to give Grove Collab of a try, they will actually throw in a bunch of freebies with your first order when you sign up at grove.co slash YHL. That's grove.co, not .com. You'll get three Mrs. Myers cleaners, a set of Grove walnut scrubber sponges, and a cool little tin cleaning caddy to wrangle all of it. Again, that's all at grove.co slash YHL. I realize that John described this as hacking the system, and some people might think that means I'm like a hacker and I'm going to teach you how to hack programs or something. It is a way of hacking the shopping system. <laughs> So today what I'm digging is a discovery I made much later than most of the world. But did you guys know that HomeGoods TJ Maxx now has online shopping? And it's changing the game for me. Like I used to go to HomeGoods and if I wanted two lamps that match, like side table lamps or bedside lamps and just say I wanted them to match, they don't always have to, but a lot of times I like to just grab them like that, symmetry, all that. And if I find a lamp I love, but there's only one, I usually keep it moving. Sometimes I go to the other home goods. There's two across town from each other. But once I've exhausted that second home goods trip, I'm like, I have to let go of the lamp because I can only find one. Well, because their whole thing is they're kind of surplus stores, like they're extra things. So there's not like consistent inventory from one store to the next. It's sort of like going in there and seeing what you find. But... Now that HomeGoods and TJ Maxx has an online store, I found sheets 
that I wanted on one bed at the duplex, but you know, I have two of everything at the duplex. So sometimes I'm switching the sheets and doing something fun, and sometimes I'm switching something like the duvet and I want the sheets to be the same. I found sheets I loved, I went online, I was able to find the exact same sheets, which never used to be an option. So the TJ Maxx Home Goods site is what I'm digging, and I'm specifically digging a lot of bedding and items we bought for the duplex. I'll link them in the show notes because it's a visual thing and it doesn't make much sense to like rattle them off here, but they have great pillows, sheets, duvets, quilts, stuff like that. But I want to point out it's not a perfect system because that same thing you described with the sheets, I tried to duplicate with a quilt we wanted to find. In store, we could only find it in a full or queen and we needed a twin size one. And so I went to search for it on the Home Goods website and it's not there. So it's not a like complete inventory of every possible thing you could find in a Home Goods, but there's certainly some things on there. So it is a helpful like spot to check if you need something. Right. It's like a good backup method. It won't be 100% successful every time, but it's not bad. And I love that it's actually there. Also, I get lots of questions about where I get all my baskets in the attic. A lot of the baskets in the attic were Home Goods. She gets them from the attic, guys. (laughs) There would be like a resale Home Goods to Baskets in the Attic, my new store that I'm opening. You need to open an online shop, I think. I do. Well, and what I'm digging this week is a smart plug. I know I've dug smart plugs before, but this is an outdoor smart plug. And I have been looking for one because I wanted to plug in our outdoor patio lights to a smart plug so that when we wanted to turn them on, we didn't have to go out there and like physically plug them in and out. I could actually turn them on from inside using my voice, no less because I can just use our Amazon Echo to say, you know who, turn on the patio lights, and there they go. So I will link it in the show notes. I just grabbed it on Amazon. It was not very expensive, but I don't remember the specific name of it. But we're going to get another one because we're going to do the same thing at the beach house with the outdoor patio lights there. And I also wanted to use this platform where I'm talking about smart devices (laughs) to clarify one thing, because I've gotten some questions for people about why do I prefer smart devices over just timers or something to control my lights? Like, Or like, what do you have against timers? They're cheap and easy. I use them with my Christmas lights. Why does everything have to be smart? That was said a little bit more forcefully than (laughs) I remember the question. But I wanted to say I'm not against timers. And I think I talked about in this podcast that I realized that some things make more sense on sort of an automated timer. Like we have some of our outdoor lights on dusk to dawn timer. So they just go on or off as the sun sets or rises. I don't have to do anything extra. And what about our Christmas lights in the front? Timers. Timers. So the answer is we use timers. Yes. And I think timers work inside too for certain people too. Like if you come home every day at 6 p.m. after work and you want your lights to greet you when you come on, use a timer. But I think a lot of us have more fluid schedules than that. You know, we wake up at different times, we come home at different times. So we want our lights to be more flexible than a rigid timer where it's coming on the same time every day. So that's where something that is a bit more responsive, like to your voice, is helpful because if you come home early one day or if you work from home like we do, you can completely control the schedule for that day. But I think everyone has to evaluate for each specific device or light or whatever in their house, what makes the most sense. Can you use it on a timer, which are generally more affordable, or is it more helpful to have it on a smart voice activated device? John's tagline, likes timers and also likes smart devices, heavily into all technology. But only one Kelvin temperature light bulb. It's a long tagline. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Young House Love Has a Podcast. 
And since I know some of you are new listeners after our Joshua Becker episode last week, I'm going to break out an old spiel of mine. Ready? Please leave us a rating or review on iTunes. It only takes a couple of clicks within your podcast app, and every single one is a huge help to us. So thank you in advance. And keep telling us what you do while you listen. Like Renee on Instagram, who started walking daily as part of our Walktober way back in October, but she kept up with it ever since and is now on an 106-day streak of walking every day. Meanwhile, my plans to do January this year kind of fizzled out on day three. It was very cold and rainy. But don't forget to check out younghouselove.com slash podcast for all the bonus links, photos, and info from this episode, like that picture of the very convincing scratch on our fridge that wasn't actually a scratch. And some pictures of those bathroom trends that John quizzed me on, like that sideways tub. I really need to know if you guys would do it or not. Later. Bye. Because I can just use our Amazon Echo to say, you know who, turn on the patio lights, and there they go. Schmalexa, turn on the patio lights. Don't even lights. try. Nope. But I will link it in the show notes. <laughs> I said Schmalexa.